Welcome to the Portugal 2018 World Cup podcast as the Selecao finish second in Group B to set up a clash against Uruguay in the round of 16. A 3-3 draw against Spain was followed by a 1-0 win against Morocco and a 1-1 draw against Iran. My name is Matthew Marshall and here to break it down with me is the godfather of Portugal, Tom Cundit. Tom, how are you? I'm great, Matt. Good to be here. Love talking about the Selecao and... Uh... No, mission accomplished, as a lot of the players said. We're also joined by Patrick Ribeiro is back. Patrick, how are you going? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me uh, once more. No worries. Well, let's get into this 1-1 draw with Iran then, gentlemen. Uh, Fernando Santos made three changes with Adrian Silva coming in for João Moutinho. Ricardo Quaresma replacing Bernardo Silva and Andre Silva coming in for Gonzalo Guedes. We saw trademark finish from Quaresma and then Iran getting a fortunate penalty laid on. Tom, how did you see the game? Not the most high-quality game, maybe, although I thought Portugal probably put in their best performance so far. But, uh, yeah, what a... I mean, for, for tension and drama, it was just amazing, wasn't it? Well, I'm sure we'll break it down bit by bit. I thought Portugal, I thought they played quite well. You've got to hand it to Iran. So much heart. You can see how much it meant to them and their supporters. Bit of a shame, of course, that Portugal didn't get the win, which I think they deserved. That, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it. That could make quite a big difference down the line. Just like the whole of this World Cup, I just absolutely loved it. This has just been absolutely thrilling uh, World Cup. I think it's one of the best ones I can remember, to be perfectly honest. Patrick, Portugal had 73% possession, double the amounts of shots, five corners to one. Would it be fair to say that Portugal dominated this match, in your opinion? Yeah, in, in a sense, they did dominate, but it means a lot to do something with the ball, and I don't think Portugal ever quite got to that stage um, of inflicting uh, much damage upon Iran. I think there was moments in that game where you just sensed that they were waiting for a moment of magic, and fortunately for Fernando Sancho and his squad, um, quite the magical moment happened in coming from Quaresma's Trivela. I think I come away from this game, as well as the Morocco game, um, expecting more from Portugal um, going forwards. I don't think there was enough, ever enough urgency in Portugal's attacking phase. OK, let's just talk about a couple of key incidents here before we get on to the, the players. And I guess uh, the VAR was, was quite heavily involved in this game. There was an incident with uh, Ronaldo. Still a bit unclear after quite a lot of replays if, he, if, he, uh, if his forearm perhaps connected with the Iranian player's uh, head. He ended up getting a yellow card. And, of course, we had a, a penalty incident. In the, in the extra time where Cedric was a judge to have handballed it after he it came off his head. I thought they were interesting decisions. I definitely don't agree with the penalty shout, but how did you see these two ones, uh, Tom? You know, VAR has been a big story, hasn't it, at this World Cup? I think they've got most of the decisions right, to be honest, but uh, in, the, in this particular game, I agreed with the Ronaldo decision. I thought uh, he did catch him with his elbow, but it was obvious, in my opinion, that there was absolutely no intent to hurt him. He was just trying to get in front of the Iranian defender and I think the he, Iranian, you know, he just made a, a bit of a meal of that, to be honest. Uh, but, uh, okay, uh, yellow card, I think you can accept that. Uh, the penalty, I thought, was just absolutely ridiculous, wasn't it? I think there's been a couple of those. Uh, also, Paulson for Denmark uh, was a judge to have given away a penalty in almost uh, identical circumstances. And uh, I just think that's completely ridiculous. You know, you can't, as Jose Font said after the game, when you're jumping to head the ball, you, know, you can't jump with your arms uh, next to your body. You know, and naturally they go out. And that was just, uh, you know, it's just fortune or misfortune in this case that the ball 
uh, you know, brushed Cedric's head and just brushed his arm, literally. Uh, you know, I think that's a terrible decision. Absolutely no way that's a penalty. And I think yesterday, actually, we saw in the Argentina game against Nigeria, quite a similar incident when uh, Rojo uh, kind of missed a header and it just smacked his arm much more obviously than Cedric's. And that wasn't a penalty. And I, I actually think that was the right decision again. But uh, yeah, in my, uh, in my opinion, absolutely no doubt about it. That was a wrong decision. Uh, which, of course, uh, unfortunately for Portugal, uh, turned uh, almost certain victory into a draw. Yeah, there's decisions all throughout the game. Um, I thought this particular referee, Enrique Caceres, Paraguayan referee, he had a bad game. And um, this decision was was one of the worst decisions you've seen so far at the World Cup. Patrick, uh, what did you make of, of these two decisions and the, the penalty? To start off with the Ronaldo one, yeah, I echo the sentiments that it would have been shocking to have seen a red brandish there. Obviously, there was a bit of obstruction um, from the Iranian defender Ronaldo, perhaps trying to target um, an instance like that where Ronaldo sometimes at Real Madrid, for example, has fallen foul to situations like that. But I don't, I don't think the arm um, really ever extended um, with the vim that it required for was required for a red card. With a penalty, again, you know, I, I'd agree with Tom. It wasn't a penalty, in my opinion. Players when they jump up. Uh, usually they use their, their arms to, to elevate themselves. And with the ball coming from behind Cedric, Cedric has his back to where the ball originally comes from. You, you really need a referee to have a, a bit of good sense there and, and, and realise that you know that wasn't intentional. You, you often see some pretty bad refereeing performances at, at the World Cup. And uh, I think this was one of them. We didn't really talk about the, the VAR decision to, to award Ronaldo the penalty that he subsequently uh, missed or was saved. But I don't think many would argue that that was an incorrect call, even uh, people as biased as us. All right, let's go through the team here. Rui Patricio had a pretty quiet game. Of course, he had to pick the ball out of the net uh, for that penalty, but largely didn't have too much to do and was was, uh, fault-free here, Tom. You know, didn't have a chance to penalty. Perfect penalty taken by the Iranian. I don't think he had a save to make, did he? Or just a one kind of quite easy save in the first half from a pretty harmless header. Yeah, I think the only thing to say about Patricio is he looks alert. You know, ah, he did make that one very good dash from his line to to thwart a chance in the first half. But uh, yeah, he looks, you know, he looks alert. He looks on good form. He looks. There's absolutely no doubt now that he is 100% in the right place mentally, which we had a few. As we discussed before, we were a bit worried about that with everything that's going out with sporting. So, yeah, I think that's a strong point for Portugal. Patrick, Rafael Guerrero was, uh, had a div- difficult game against Morocco. He was targeted, beaten one-on-one on quite a few occasions. We were worried about him in this game as far as how he would get a bit more support. From my perspective, it was, he, he struggled a bit early on. He was targeted by uh, Jahan Baksh. And he picked up a yellow card in the first half. Overall, how did you uh, see Guerrero's performance here against Iran? Yeah, I don't think he succumbed to the attack and play quite as much as he did in the Morocco game. But then again, obviously, uh, when we're comparing uh, the attacking quality in the Iran team and the Morocco team, it's very Mm. different. So it would have been a a relief uh, for Guerrero in the long run. But he is a player that we have to um, keep our eyes on and and protect going forwards into the tournament because he hasn't played... a great deal of football this season and he does look um, quite vulnerable, perhaps the most vulnerable out of um, the regular back line. Tom, how did you see Guerrero's performance here on the back of the uh, the Morocco match? 
Yeah, I agree with Pat. I agree with everything Patrick just said there. You know, he had a bit of a nightmare against Morocco. It was better this game, but again, you know, I think out of the four defenders, he does seem to be a little bit of the weak link. Yeah, I'm a bit worried. I, I don't think he got enough support. Um, I'm not sure Uruguay really have the weapons with the way they set up to, to target him, as, as these teams have done. Okay, let's move over to Cedric, obviously involved in that debacle of a penalty decision, but overall pretty solid here. Tom, how'd you see it? I've been very impressed with Cedric this tournament. He just, uh, I've been very impressed with his calmness. You know, they've all been tight and tense games and, uh, you know, really with the outcome uh, uncertain until the end. But I think he's done well in all games. He's showed uh, why he is really uh, Fernando Santos's kind of trusted left lieutenant, or maybe I'll just say right tenant in this case. Uh, you know, I think he's made that right back position his own. A lot of people talk about Ricardo Pereira, uh, who you know had a fantastic season. He's a good option, but I think the way Cedric's playing, I just can't see Santos dropping him. Okay, what about the central defenders, Patrick? Uh, Jose Font and Pepe quite solid again. Interestingly, uh, WhoScored.com awarded Pepe man of the match, and Opta uh, came out with a nice stat saying that he contested 15 aerial duels, the most of any defender in a game at the World Cup so far. How do you see the central defence here from Portugal? Yeah, I was very impressed um, with Pepe in in this game. Portugal's best on the field, in my opinion. Uh, and it's nice nice to get a performance like that out of Pepe because when he's on his game like that, it really elevates, in my opinion, uh, the rest of the back line. I think Fonte is another one who quite steadily is, is keeping things nice and secure, which is exactly what Portugal needs for uh, stability at the back. Tom? Quick thoughts on central defenders? You know, it was Portugal's real strength at Euro 2016, wasn't it? That defence and the heart of that defence. We were all worried coming into this tournament that they were a bit old and maybe out of form. But I think they've, they've been very solid. And as for Font, yeah, I think he's got better and better each game. And that's looking good. Yeah, Pep, what can you say? Uh, a monster of a performance. Absolutely superb. Yeah, he played well. I'll just say that we saw Font struggle a little bit with uh, with Diego Costa in the first match. Pep a little bit as well, if you want to you know count that that first goal to to Costa. But they're stepping up a level here. Uh, Suarez and Cavani are going to be very very difficult. And of course, if Portugal can negotiate their way through that match, there's there's uh, even more lethal strikers uh, going to come up against them. So they've done pretty well in these last two games. But I'm a little bit worried, if I'm going to be honest. Okay, let's move up to central midfield. William Carvalho has started every match and is a permanent fixture there, especially with uh, Danilo unable to, to, to make the tournament. Comes in for a lot of criticism, Tom, but give us your assessment of, of William's performance here and then maybe we'll move on to some of this criticism. I think we could dedicate a whole show to William Carvalho because it's, it's just absolutely incredible the way people react to his performances. They, uh, he gets so much criticism, people really saying... You know, very harsh assessments that his, you know, he's, he's, you know, he just goes around at a snail's pace and he doesn't run, he doesn't do anything. And you get other people who uh, say that, you know, he's Portugal's best midfielder and most composed player uh, on the pitch. I think I'm more in the uh, in the latter camp. I think he's been excellent. I think he was very good in that game. And I think we actually <coughs> saw from Carlos K. Roj who uh, kind of, I think, 15 or 20 minutes into that game, put a man, I think it was Moon, the striker, <clears throat> instructed him to stay tight on William, uh, you know, all game. And that really did 
kind of affect him and affect the whole Portugal performance. I think from that moment, uh, Portugal struggled a bit more to, you know, to create things. And so, yeah, I, I just think he's uh, an excellent football player. I think he's uh, really composed in all situations. Very, very good at keeping possession. A lot of people say he just does little sideways passes, which I think is very unfair. <clears throat> he does actually do a lot of piercing, longer balls, good diagonal balls, and just very, very rarely uh, misplaces a pass. I've, I think he's been excellent this tournament. Uh, Patrick, what's your assessment on William Carvalho? Is he underrated and does he deserve some of the criticism coming his way? Particularly a lot of the criticism that's often levelled at William is the fact that um, he's slow and I personally think he makes his attributes count quite well. He's, he's very good on the ball, he's very good at shielding the ball and keeping possession. That's pretty much what we've seen for large parts of this tournament. It has been a bit tricky um, in the Portugal setup because I do think uh, we're lacking a bit in terms of movement and finding gaps in between the lines and if that sort of uh, run from players in midfield isn't on then obviously a player like William um, can't risk uh, piercing the ball through and would rather play sideways so there's elements in Portugal's game that needs to be uh, rectified I think and I think once those issues are sorted out then we will see William playing uh, even better from the defensive midfield spot Yeah I mean he's got no competition really has he in this particular World Cup you can't really say that Juan Moutinho or Adrian uh, Silver are there to, to compete for his spot. They're very much complementary players. I just think, you know, if you've got negative opinion on a player, it's very easy to, to see a misplaced pass or, or something bad and go, oh, there, there you go, I told you so, he's hopeless. But I think if you look at it objectively and you see measure all the positive stuff he does, it, it greatly outweighs, you know, a few, a few misplaced passes and, and a few mistakes he might make. But, you know, Portugal had three times as many passes in, as Iran in this game, almost just over 600. You know, Adrian was just over 100 and, and William was 85. So if you're making 85 attempted passes, you know, up around that mark, it's natural you're not going to make them all. But I think he's important for this team. Let's move on to Adrian Silva. Came in here for João Moutinho, was, was heavily involved, as I just mentioned. Uh, was in the, Gave the, the assist, nice little 1-2 with Quaresma for, for Portugal's goal. Patrick, how did you measure Adidian Silva's performance here? Um, very different performance from what uh, a lot of sporting fans may may expect from Adrian. I thought he was a player who was um, very stuck um, to the centre of the park, a lot, a lot closer to William um, than perhaps Portugal would have required. Um, and I don't know why that was. Perhaps um, there's elements in the in the Portugal setup that you know are are geared towards keeping the team's shape and structure and making sure that defensively everything is tip-top before uh, going forwards. But I think we certainly missed um, a bit more dynamism in the middle of the park um, coming from Adrian in this game. Um, that, that's, that's not to put the blame on him. It's just um, what I think um, was a consequence of the organisation of the team. I do think Adrian should play in the next game, however, uh, against Uruguay. Okay. Adrian, Tom, we saw how important he is to Fernando Santos and Portugal in the latter stages of the uh, of the Euros a couple of years ago. How do you see his performance here? It's interesting, isn't it, how different people see different things because I thought Adrian was actually excellent. Probably after Pep, I'd make him, I would have made him Portugal's second best player in this game. Uh, he was really dynamic. And I think, like we've discussed before, Adrian's a little bit different to the rest of the Portuguese midfielders. 
you know, perhaps not quite so cultured in his passing, but really dynamic, really kind of tenacious. And he did, uh, you know, he was kind of snapping away at uh, the Iranian midfielders and blocking passing lanes, uh, doing uh, doing a lot of the dirty work and uh, uh, recovering a lot of balls. I thought he was actually really good, much better than I expected, to be honest, after, you know, his, his season where he just played so little football. And, uh, yeah, I'd be very surprised if, that uh, William Adrian uh, combination is uh, is broken now for the rest of the tournament. To be honest. Okay, interesting. Yeah, it uh, looks like a battle between him and Joel Moutinho. Have to see what Santos does against Uruguay. Okay, let's move over to Ricardo Quaresma. And uh, got to say a bit of apologies here. We didn't really even mention him on, on the on the last podcast. And as soon as I realised that, Tom, I threw out the uh, the tweet about uh, the fact that we maybe overlooked him and, and perhaps was a, an option for, for Santos. I, I was quite clear. I thought Bernardo should be dropped. And, uh, well, it happened, didn't it? He came in and was heavily involved on the right wing, whipping in quite a lot of crosses and uh, got the goal. Uh, fantastic performance, but a little bit soured by a petulant, uh, a petulant challenge, quite a nasty challenge to, to pick up a yellow card. And then he was... He, then he was taken off. Uh, how did you see Ricardo Quaresma here? Yeah, it was, you could almost say, a typical Quaresma performance in a lot of ways, wasn't there? Because uh, absolutely incredible goal. You know, we've seen him do that so often. Uh, but, uh, you know, to do it on the biggest stage, uh, magnificent. His first World Cup as well. His first start at a World Cup. So that was just, <clears throat> that was just absolutely brilliant to see. Uh, I actually think, uh, but then, of course, we saw the, the, the negative side of Quaresma, where you could see his temper was just getting the better of him. And I think it was a good thing he was hooked by Fernando Santos, because otherwise that was a bit of a red card waiting to happen. But uh, in general, you know, apart from the goal, he did one or two, you know, nice touches. Uh, he's, he's showed some outrageous skill, uh, as you would expect from, from Quaresma. But I thought he was actually perhaps not as involved as he, he could have been. Again, I'm not sure that was his fault or, as, uh, as Patrick has alluded to, maybe the way the team is set up because, uh, you know, he didn't actually see too much of the ball, uh, I think. And, uh, you know, especially, of course, people forget because he just made, he just produced that moment of absolutely wondrous magic. But uh, I was quite pleased with, with the way he played. Normally, of course, we all know that Quaresma tends to make a big difference when he comes off the bench and perhaps not, not such a, a big impact when he starts a game. And uh, I would still say that if it wasn't for the goal, we may be having that conversation again. But uh, yeah, you know, he's just showed that he can perform at the highest level and a very, very good weapon for Portugal to have. I'm not absolutely convinced, though, that he will be a starter in his next game. Patrick, Kuresma came in, got the start, got the goal. How did you see his performance and... How do you think he might be used going forward here? Um, well, it's very difficult, as as Tom touched on. It's very difficult to judge the um, the attacking players based on this performance. But obviously, it's it's never it's never a bad thing to mark it with a, a great goal like he did. Um, it's something that a few, few others in the squad can can do quite like Quaresma. And his technical ability um, in spots during that game was um, uh, was very good to see. Um, I do think he's a very useful player. Um, perhaps. It, I'm still unsure whether he should start up. Personally, I would still go for Bernardo Silva, but it's good to have that sort of quality 
coming off the bench because you know his technical ability is is as refined as anyone else's. But you know, for me, I'm still going with Bernard Silva in that dispute between uh, the two on on that right side. Okay, let's move over to João Mario. Kept his place here. Was involved in a couple of attacking situations early on, where a lovely uh, ball over to Ronaldo, and uh, and then hit a shot over the bar to Tom. João Mario here. How do you assess his performance? Yeah, started well. You mentioned that. You know, lovely little flick over his head to Ronaldo. But uh, afterwards, I think it's been like this tournament, really. A bit disappointing, to be honest, and a bit underwhelming. He just doesn't really seem to be having much influence on games at all. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure, uh, again, if that's all his fault. You know, his, his best position, his strongest position, I think most people would agree, is in the centre of midfield. But, you know, that's, I don't think he's going to be playing there because I think that's going to be definitely William and Adrian or possibly Moutinho. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a bit of a disappointing, a bit disappointing from my point of view. I think he, he just seems to be lacking a bit of confidence, lacking a bit of dynamism. And, uh, you know, just hope that uh, something triggers. It's a shame he put that chance over the bar. You know, maybe if he scores a goal, that will kind of, uh, you know, get him going. But uh, at the moment, I think you have to say he uh, perhaps doesn't merit a starting place. Interesting, yeah. I mean, he's obviously in that battle with um, Bruno Fernandes. I thought he was decent, Joao Mario. Uh, you know, he hasn't really hit the heights that we know he can reach yet, but I think he's inching closer, and I think Santos would, would stick with him against Uruguay. We'll see what happens. Uh, Patrick, just a quick thought on Joao Mario here. It's a bit similar to, to what I would say with uh, Madrid. I think there was, perhaps because of the system, I think there was moments where he was perhaps too stuck out onto the left side, and we never really got to see him burst um, into central areas where he can affect the game uh, so well. Um, so, you know, that's a shame. So uh, I can't really criticise him uh, for it. I just, just got to find a solution to free up those players and be more effective going forwards. OK, let's move up front now with Andre Silva came in for Gonzalo Gage. Well, I thought he was involved a fair bit, but you can see that when he drifts wide, which is quite often... He can't really create much, in my opinion. He doesn't really bring that much to the team. And um, from his point of view, I'd be very worried. I think if it's between him and and Gonzalo Gage, then Gage is is easily in front of him now. But let's just talk about uh, Andre Silva's performance against Iran. Tom, what what did you make of it? Do you you share any of those thoughts? I thought he did okay. I thought he did okay. One thing about Andre Silva, which you've got to give him praise for. He's such a hard worker. You know, he got through a lot of graft in that game. Like you said, correctly, exactly. He did drift wide quite a lot. He gave, which did provide, you know, a passing lane for the midfielders. Uh, Yeah, but I have to agree with you. You know, he he didn't really use the ball too well when it came to him, when it came to his feet. And of course, you know, as a central striker, you're looking for him to get himself into positions to... uh, you know, to have a shot, or, and I can't. I think just one shot he had, a bit of a wild shot in the second half. Apart from that, didn't really provide much of a goal threat. Uh, I'm not sure if I agree with you that Gonzalo Gates was so much more effective than he was. I think they were quite similar performances in some way. Of course, Gates has got great pace, but uh, against when you're playing against a side with, you know, who, who lies deep and very defensive, you, you sometimes don't get the chance to use that. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but I think that seems to be your guys' tactics. So, uh, 
I'm, I'm, I'm indifferent to be, to be honest. I don't really think there's much difference between Gonzalo Guedes and Andre Silva. I think the only shame is, uh, the, the, the only thing which is a pity from Portugal's point of view is we both know they've got goals in them. And at this tournament, neither of them has really looked, uh, you know, well, none of them have uh, really looked like, I don't think they've caused the opposition goalkeepers any problems at all, really. Patrick, did Andre Silva do enough here to get the start over Gonzalo Guedes, you think? He didn't, but it, it, it's, it's always difficult for a striker, as I say, in, in that sort of situation when when the ball isn't being moved about uh, as quick as you'd like, then you don't get the ball um, in time to do something with it. And that's uh, pretty much what, what happened with uh, Andres Silva on the night. I thought he put a shift in, he always does, um, uh, for his team. Um, but, you know, I just simply think the service mm-hmm. wasn't there for him or Ronaldo. Um, on the night and it's obviously very difficult to impress if you don't get that sort of uh, service given to you. We will discuss a bit later as well as we have been if there is a possibility to play both of them. But let's finish off with the one and only Cristiano Ronaldo who had five shots here. He won the penalty and unfortunately it was saved uh, just after half time which as it turned out was quite a crucial factor in the result. Tom? What about the main man, Ronaldo, here? Yeah, well, he's carried Portugal, hasn't he, up, in, up until this game. Uh, I think I'm sure him, by his own high standards, will recognise that it wasn't his best game in a Portugal shirt. Uh, like Patrick said, wasn't given much service, really, so you can't really put all the blame on him. But uh, uh, considering that, he was Portugal's most dangerous player, you know, throughout the 90 minutes, you know, looked very keen to try and get things going in attack. Yeah, slightly disappointing, but I think if there's one player I would actually be not worried about to have a disappointing game for Portugal, it would be Cristiano Ronaldo, because we all know that it makes absolutely no difference if he has an off game, which is very, very rare, of course. He's just so strong mentally uh, and psychologically that he'll come into the next game full of confidence. Okay, I guess we need to quickly touch on Mr. Carlos Queiroz here, a divisive figure, you would have to say. I think it's a good time to introduce a question here from uh, Nichil Kantelal. Sorry if I mispronounced any of your name there, but he says there seems to be a lot of bad blood between Queiroz and the Portuguese players. Tom, can you provide any insight why that might be? Yeah, well, it was interesting, wasn't it? I think... Uh... Queiroz, he's got, uh, you know, he's, he's got an important role to play. He has played an important role in Portuguese football history. You know, he was the man who brought Portugal uh, to youth cups, uh, world youth cups in uh, 1989 and 1991. He kind of nurtured that golden generation. Uh, he kind of laid the platforms, you can say, for Portugal's subsequent success in uh, the modern era. But he is definitely a very divisive figure and he just seems to have this habit of rubbing people up the wrong way and uh, getting them very annoyed with him and really falling out with people left, right and centre. And uh, you can kind of see at this, uh, during this match uh, why that might be the case. I don't know if it's a question of, uh, of arrogance or, or something, but he just seemed to, uh, he, you know, it was just, so annoying, I think, for for Portugal, the way he seemed to be uh, conducting himself and arguing so vociferously for uh, you know basically every decision 
that didn't go Iran's way was some kind of conspiracy against Iran. And uh, and then also at the end of the match, you know, not very graceful in my opinion, just uh, saying that uh, Ronaldo should have got a red card. I think that was, he again maybe let the emotion get the better of him. I don't think that was a, a red card in a million years. And uh, it was very interesting at the end of the match, the, the players just kind of, there's three or four players who, who greeted him, you know, gave him an embrace at the end. Uh, but at the end, Carlos Queiroz, I think instead of focusing on, really, you have to say, a magnificent campaign by Iran, who, you know, were quite close to getting through, instead of focusing on the players who did come and greet him, instead of focusing on his friendship with Fernando Santos, you know, he went out of his way to kind of complain about the Portuguese players who didn't greet him and uh, say, you know, these are guys who I trained when they were teenagers and they just completely ignored me. And then, of course, Portuguese players themselves were asked about this and uh, they just uh, basically <laughs> gave him uh, the same treatment, you know, completely ignored him. It was quite funny. Quaresma himself, you know, he said, oh, don't ask me about K. Raj because, you know, if we go down that road, then I'll be here all night. So, yeah, you know, definitely, uh, you know, I think he deserves respect for what he's done in his career and for Portugal, but he seems to, you know, in some ways kind of go out of his way to uh, to annoy people. So I don't think it's such a surprise that uh, that this happened. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought he was pretty hopeless when he managed the, the national team. You know, it's quite a while ago now, but, you know, we are talking about this before. Surely if he was super coach he'd be managing a team better than Iran internationally and 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 even a club team you could say okay he doesn't want the hassle of managing a club team generally who you play for and who you manage is a is a decent reflection of, of your ability no disrespect to Iran but I don't really want to say too much more about Quedaj but he should have been sent off you know we've already talked about the shit referee Enrique Caceres should have sent Quedaj off already um, didn't have the balls to do it uh, Patrick, you want to give a couple of a couple of cents here on on Kledoz? Carlos Kledoz is someone who, back in Iran, is um, really idolised for for the work that he's put in. So um, you, you can see why he, he perhaps um, let loose a little bit on the touchline and 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 battled too for now for his team to um, get the influence that it needed. Obviously, from a Portuguese perspective, it's infuriating to see uh, that sort of thing. But, you know, it happens, the emotion of football, I guess. Let's talk about Uruguay now. It's the round of 16. Uruguay had a couple of 1-0 victories to start their World Cup campaign against Egypt and Saudi Arabia. Hardly difficult opponents, especially with Mohamed Salah missing that first game. And then they defeated Russia 3-0 after the uh, the Russia right-back. Smolnikov was sent off just before half-time. I've watched all their games. They're, they're obviously a dangerous side with Swadesh and Cavani. The manager here, Oscar Tabarez, has made changes to his midfield every game. He's made two changes to his midfield every game. Brought in Lucas Toreda to start against Russia, and he was he was very influential in the middle of the park. And it's going to be interesting to see what Fernando Santos does here tactically and uh, and personnel-wise. But let's just uh, go through the team and see if we would make any changes. Tom, Patricio obviously isn't going anywhere. It looks like... The back four is, is settled. Let's move up into the midfield. We discussed William quite a lot, uh, Patrick, but we've got a question here again from Nishil Kantalal who, who mentioned the fact that William was man-marked and uh, that could be a problem against Uruguay who like to sit deep. 
Um, how do you think Santos might combat that? For starters, you could ask for a little bit more influence um, from guys like Pepe, uh, who are who are good um, on the ball and can distribute can distribute play um, uh, certainly a lot more readily than than they have done, um, and and that will take a bit of weight off uh, William's shoulders. Um, but other than that, you could I guess against a team like. Um, Uruguay, there's always the option to, to, to go a bit more direct um, uh, and pinpoint Ronaldo's. But personally, I would like to see the ball played um, on the deck and ask for a little bit more from Pepe when he's on the ball. Tom, I think it's quite established that William's going nowhere. I don't think William is so obviously outstanding in relation to the other midfielders that he kind of merits that treatment. You know, if they do do that, then it's then I think they could have some trouble. It's very interesting. I saw an interesting tweet about the Portugal goal, the Quaresma goal, and they were suggesting that uh, the fact that the Iranians had so much, uh, you know, were, were putting so much focus on William that it actually opened up a little bit of space, which uh, Quaresma managed to exploit, you know, Quaresma and Adrien. So I'm not sure if that will happen. I think these are two really well-matched sides. Uh, it's really 50-50, in my opinion. I was also impressed with Torreira and uh, Bentacourt as well. Rodrigo Bentacourt, they look like, you know, really good players. So I think it's going to be an interesting battle. I don't think they're obviously better than us. Uh, I don't think we're obviously better than them. It's a little bit like, a, I suppose you could say, a Portuguese classical, I'd say. <laughs> like when Porto come up against Benfica or Sporting Benfica, I really do think this game is just going to be decided on Maybe one piece of genius or one mistake or a controversial decision, maybe. Hopefully not. Two really well-matched sides. It's going to be very interesting to see who Fernando Santos picks in that midfield, but I can't see him changing his system. I think he's going to go for solid 4-2. Four, four try and just keep it very, very tight. Yeah, I think Uruguay are going to play narrow. You know, They don't really have wingers as such, having to accommodate Suarez and Cavani. Um, so that, that could be an avenue where Portugal get at them, but... You know, Santos, I'm sure, is, is busy devising a plan here. And uh, this game could well be decided by some, some, some tactics uh, from the bench. Patrick, uh, Adrian Silva and João Moutinho might be competing for a spot here. Who would you give the start to? Um, personally, I would give it to Adrian because, as, as Tom touched, um, players like uh, Lucas Torreira and uh, Rodrigo Bentecourt, the two players that are very good technically and um, do have the the minerals to dominate a, a, a midfield battle like that. So to have uh, to include someone like Adrian, who in my opinion is outside William, the closest thing we have to a defensive midfielder in terms that he's very tenacious and he'll harry um, the opponents. I think it's very important to have a midfielder like that up against two players like Torreira and uh, Bentacur. So for me personally, that's that's who I'd go for. As well as the fact that you know Adrian has played with um, William for uh, quite some time and he, he, know, he knows William's boundaries, uh, particularly physically and when, where he's not there uh, to cover. So I think Adrian and William, as a midfield pairing, in my opinion, are the most uh, compatible. OK, let's move on to Kodeshma. Tom, I would suggest that Kodeshma will start against Uruguay. Uh, I'd be quite confident in, in predicting that to happen. What's your assessment on Kodeshma versus um, Bernardo Silva on the right wing? Quaresma, you know, after what he did in the last game, you would have thought is the, you know, he, he was more likely to start. Like I said earlier, I I still believe that he's best off the bench. 
this game, I think, like you said, Uruguay tends to can sit deep. Uh, of course, we all know that Portugal don't exactly take the initiative. So I think we could see a cagey game. And in that sense, perhaps having pacey wingers, someone like uh, Geds or, or Chelsea Martins wouldn't be the best way to go because I can't really see Uruguay committing lots of men forward and then leaving space at the back. So in that sense, perhaps Quaresma would be the best option. Yeah, you know, hopefully some of his trickery can, uh, you know, get him to, to the wing, get that, uh, you know, get those crosses across for his great friend Cristiano Ronaldo, or as well as him, of course, being a, a goal threat in his own right, cutting inside. So, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I think uh, Quaresma will probably get the start. Patrick, is that how you see it? Um, yeah, it could possibly happen uh, that Quaresma, especially after the goal that he scored against Iran, is is the man who um, takes it. But personally, I, it's difficult to decide. I would like to see uh, Bernard Silva coming to the team because I do think he has a lot to give. But then again, as you say, in a cagey game, the um, the opportunities to do so might be scarce. But personally, I would go for Bernard Silva over Quaresma. OK, I'll have to see which way Fernando Santos leans in this one. Joao Mario, I would say again that he would start, you know, um, we'll have a bit of a soft spot for Bruno Fernandes, but I think Joao Mario is quite established in this team and and uh, is on the verge of breaking out in, into one of his better performances. Tom, Joao Mario to start? Very interesting, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, again, he's one of Santos' go-to, go-to players. Not not too convinced, if I'm absolutely honest. I didn't think he played very well. Uh, I don't think he's played very well this tournament, really, at all. And I don't think he did so well against Iran. But, uh, but yeah, like you said, we all know he's fantastically talented. Maybe it's just a question of, uh, you know, something triggering to, uh, to get him playing at his best. As Patrick rightly said uh, just a while ago, Adrian and William are very used to playing uh, with each other. And, of course, that midfield threesome of Adrian, William and Joao Mario uh, are also very used to playing together from their sporting days. They were superb that one season just before Euro, Euro 2016. And at Euro 2016 itself, of course, that was the midfield which took Portugal forward from the knockouts onwards and uh, to the ultimate triumph. So, yeah, I think for those reasons, even though I've got my misgivings, I think uh, Santos will pick João Mario. Yeah, a lot of chemistry there, no doubt. We've got a question from Iggy Patrick who asks... Would would placing Gonzalo Gage in place of João Mario give this team a better offensive balance with Andre Silva and Ronaldo up front, or is he too much of a liability defensively? He could, yeah, could potentially be um, uh, less secure uh, going backwards, uh, which you'd obviously want uh, if you if you're looking to protect someone like uh, Guerreiro, who he says is looking quite vulnerable at the moment. I do think João Mario offers uh, greater security, but. Um, on the flip side, as you say, Gonzalo Gage is someone who's um, more geared to attack and um, will cause, uh, will destabilise uh, the opponent's defence more more readily than Jean Madu can. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a toss of the coin. It depends what you want. I do think uh, Fernando Santos will uh, eventually go for uh, Jean Madu over uh, uh, Gage or or even uh, Bruno Fernandes, because um, uh, as as Tom mentioned, it's that element of trust. And um, familiarity, um, which I think is what will be required coming up against a team like Uruguay in the round of 16. I wouldn't think Gonzalo Gedge is a liability defensively. I think we've seen him work really hard tracking back. We haven't really seen Joao Mario giving 
any significant help to Rafael Guerrero. So in that sense, I don't really see any, any difference. And I think eventually we will see Gedge and, and Andre Silva play together. It might just be a little bit too soon. Tom? We've got another, or a couple of questions here just with the formation from Speakers Slam and Nelson Carvalho. They basically are asking if Portugal needs to change the formation to be more creative and get more chances, maybe a 4-3-3. We just mentioned the fact that Uruguay will probably play quite narrow. Is there an option here for, for Santos to pull a rabbit out of a hat and, and surprise us? It won't be the first time, will it? <laughs> he does that quite often and he showed that he's not too, certainly in terms of personnel, He's not reticent about making changes and quite sweeping changes sometimes. But in terms of system, I don't think you can say the same thing. He really does seem to be, uh, you know, pretty stuck on his 4-4-2 and making sure always that being absolutely solid defensively is the priority. And, you know, looking at the results, since he's been Portugal manager, you could argue that, uh, you know, that's not a bad thing. We're all, we're all kind of in a, a bit of limbo in a way, aren't we? Because we're seeing these fantastic Portuguese talents, most of them very young, that we think that Portugal really should be more creative and should perhaps have the capacity to, to take the initiative more in games and, uh, and basically be more attacking. But uh, I just can't see uh, Fernando Santos doing that in this situation where a quarterfinal in the World Cup is at stake against a very, uh, you know, against a very strong team. I would be hugely shocked to be honest if he changes the system so uh don't really don't really see that happening patrick do you want to have a go at that in maybe in the context of of discussing gets against the uh, andre silva for the start firstly the advantage that uh, fernando Santos has is if we're to imagine for example the similar lineup to what we had uh, against iran um it, it's qu- it's quite fluid you could easily present that as a 442 or touch on uh bring ronaldo out wide and all of a sudden you've got a uh, a four-three-three, um, but with that, I think if if Gedge is to come in, it, it would be uh, to then replace Andre Silva, um, which I think coming into this game certainly um, might be ideal. What I find um, uh, in, in Portugal's uh, play uh, quite often when you have Ronaldo and Andre Silva up top, although they do have a very nice uh, link between each other. Outside of that, I think we can be quite uh, predictable with how we go about things. Sometimes we we like to tip the crosses in, um, which against a team like Uruguay with the likes of Godin and Coates, and we'll see if Jimenez is fit. They're very organised and they're very ready for um, that kind of um, delivery from uh, from Portugal. So uh, we'll have to be careful with that. I think Portugal can offer more solutions and greater variety if they line up with uh, Gedge over and Silva coming into this one. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt at all that Gedge will, will come in for Andre Silva here. We might see a situation where Mario tucks in and we have Gedge and, and Kuresma out wider and then Ronaldo maybe plays a bit more centrally. But as you said, there's so much fluency in this side. They can go a lot of different ways. But as far as creating chances, I think you've got to bring in Gedge. Tom, any, any chance of uh, Andre Silva starting again here? Uh, there's a chance. Like I said, I don't think he did badly. You know, I don't think he did terribly against Iran. But, uh, yeah, of the two, uh, not too a bit much of a muchness. I think, uh, yeah, you, perhaps you're both right that Gedge would provide uh, the opportunity to change things if things were going badly or, or maybe if they if they weren't going badly. But... Fernando Santos just wanted to try and, you know, try, try something different to open up Uruguay. 
uh, that you would have the opportunity to change things quite significantly without changing personnel, you know, just in terms of formation. So I think he's got that advantage. And yeah, I think of the two, perhaps Geds, he hasn't scored yet, but he did actually get into goal scoring positions. You know, he had, uh, I think, two or three good chances in the games against Spain and Morocco, which, uh, you know, Andre Silva didn't do that at all. So, uh, yeah, off the two, uh, yeah, if it was up to me, I think I'd just, uh, yeah, I'd just go for Geds. Okay, well, we'll find out about an hour before the match, won't we, how he goes and, and what he decides to do and how it all plays out. Certainly going to be a very difficult but exciting match at the World Cup. Patrick, how is your assessment of Portugal changed throughout these three games? Obviously, as you mentioned, finishing second is a a big blow for, for my opinion anyway you know we're looking at Uruguay now and if we get through that France and Argentina get through that Brazil Germany Belgium I mean it's certainly a lot more difficult to the other side of the draw where we would have been facing Russia and perhaps Croatia to get into the to the semis has your opinion changed at all after these three games about your perception of Portugal's chances in Russia no I mean I, I, coming into this game against Uruguay I, I, I do have um, obviously, the feeling that, that Portugal can can overcome that test and then certainly be tricky against perhaps France or, or an Argentina in the next round. It is the hard way round to the final. You know, it's important to stress again that a lot of, a lot of the teams um, haven't quite hit their stride yet. So definitely hope there for Portugal that they can do something against some of these bigger sides. And once you start clocking up those results against uh, uh, bigger nations, obviously the mood lifts your your mentality begins to soar and you never quite know what you can do. Tom, what about you? How's your assessment of Portugal after these three matches? Yeah, I've got a slightly different opinion to you and to most people about the, the way this draw has panned out. I don't. I think maybe in this next match, perhaps Russia would have been a bit easier than Uruguay, although I'm not convinced about that. I mean, of course, Russia were very poor in their last match, but they, they, they made a lot of changes. Their right back was uh, just got himself stupidly sent off at the start and a uh, we all know that uh, the, what's the name the Brazilian right back is uh, Mario Fernandes is, uh, is their number one, and they look better when he came on. So I'm not sure uh, that Russia is as bad as people are making out. And uh, I'd say it's pretty much an equal test. And then the next round, I actually think Croatia is, is one of the sides which has impressed me most this tournament. I think that would have been very difficult. I'm not sure that facing France or Argentina will be more difficult than facing Croatia. I would actually say perhaps uh, the opposite. And I, I think as far as the semis ago, I think that's just looking too far ahead. You know, so much could happen until then. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited. You know, this is the, this is the next stage is really where it's the, it's the crunch, isn't it? I think Portugal are coming up against a good side. Like I say, very well-matched side. And as Patrick just said, if Portugal get through this, which I think they've got a, a decent chance of doing, uh, you know, confidence will just uh, will start soaring. Uh, when they play against Argentina and France, of course, all the press will automatically write Portugal off and say they've got no chance, which uh, uh, as they usually do, which will be good for Portugal. You know, in the preparation, will alleviate the pressure and that will kind of fire up the players even more. So, yeah, I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty confident. I'm quite happy with the way it's panned out. Okay, well... I'm still going to ride the train. I'm, I'm disappointed, I, I will admit, not to top that group, especially in the circumstances that it happened with Ronaldo's penalty saved and the, and the, the penalty to, to Iran late on. 
that was a, a, a big blow in my opinion. But still standing strong. And as you guys mentioned, beat Uruguay, get a lot of confidence from that. France and, and Argentina certainly have deficiencies that can be taken advantage of. See what happens with the Selassal, starting with Uruguay on Saturday. Okay, guys, Tom, thank you very much for, for being part of the podcast once again. Thanks, Matt. Uh, look forward to having the next one. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's very much uh, <laughs> going to be decided on, on Portugal's performance against Uruguay. Patrick, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, thank you again. And hopefully we can keep this, uh, this show going for, uh, for a few more episodes yet as Portugal continue on in the 2018 World Cup. I've been Matthew Marshall. Thanks for your company. Enjoy the game and be champion. Let's go.